A heavy fog obscures the naturally gloomy shore of Lake Incarthen as a man in the warm traveling clothes befitting an Ustalavic noble rides along the stony beach. As he reins the horse to a stop, he casts a glance over his shoulder. The glasses that rest on his thin, crooked nose are too dark for the night that he rides through, but his gaze is directed through them, his eyes narrowed and his age showing in the creases surrounding them as much as it does in the gray that streaks his beard as it descends to the fur collar of his jacket. Across the water, barely visible due to the fog, distance and nearly starless night, a large stone building looms on an island where the rush of the Danver River breaks into the lake. A window on the first floor flashes with light, sickly yellow that illuminates the fog like a lightning strike. The pallid light is cut with a few bursts of other, more vibrant colors before twisting and jaundicing. As the yellow hue returns, it flares once more. At that moment, the whole island the building rests atop rumbles. The stone itself roars as it shifts and slides. Portions of the structure give way to the movement and then start to collapse. Through every new crack in the stonework, the obscuring yellow light leaks out infecting the surrounding fog like a disease until the dismantling these tremors are visiting upon the fort cannot be seen from the shore. The man is already spurring his horse away from the water, not wishing to keep his beast still during the quaking, and he rides under a sign at a nearby fort. In the direction he's heading, painted on the bare wood, is the name Thrushmore. From where he's fleeing, pointing towards the tatters, on the island. The post reads, Briarstone Isle. And that's got nothing to do with what you guys are about to do. The three of you are wandering through a kind of pallid, citrine, fog-laced city. There is this kind of grayish, almost melted quality to the brickwork and the stones um, as you kind of wander around. And each of you finds that this place looks familiar, although it is impossible for you to place it. It just kind of nags at you the entire time. Um, and you are walking down a 10-foot-wide alley. The wall to your right rises up over 10 feet, and the wall to your left rises up almost 10 feet. And beyond those walls are just high-rising, twisting buildings. And 
anything more than a few feet behind you, you see is enveloped in this jaundice, rolling fog. Um, who are we looking at, Connor? Uh, you see a bent, hunched Tengu with mostly gray feathers uh, scuttling along, sort of like Mr. Burns. Um, he, yeah, he's just, he's a bird person. He's a bird person. And Taylor, who do we see? Uh, you see a man in his early adulthood, I guess we'll say. Probably about middling height, 5'8", five, 5'10", five, brown hair. Rather, uh, say ungroomed face, not bearded so to speak, but he's got some fuzz to him. Uh, kind of got a glint in his eye though, you can't tell if it's mischievous or such. Are you playing a rogue again? No. <laughs> and Eric, what do we see? Uh, you see an impressive uh, older woman. Uh, she's well dressed. Um, she has gray hair. Uh, grayish hair. Um, she's got a shrewd face. You know, she's been smoking like a pipe her whole life. There's like, she's got lines. Um, she's very imposing, but she only stands about three feet tall. She doesn't wear any shoes. Uh, she is a halfling woman. Um, but she carries herself well. And there's also, she has bundles of, bundles of pockets and packs. And you can tell she's got tons of stuff hidden throughout her clothing. Um, but she's, she keeps herself well. So the young human man strides with a longer gait than the other two, and so he's taken a few steps farther than the two of you as this cronish old bird drags a taloned hand, I imagine, across one of these brick walls, and underneath the feet of this halfling bear against these, like, almost dank and damp cobbles. You can feel the reverberation of footsteps behind you, and you all hear it, just steady slow footsteps when you look behind you that mist has turned into this tumbling yellow cascading fog that fills the canyon that these two walls in this alleyway make up roll for initiative hmm. <laughs> okay uh well 17 17 sorry taylor a six Six and Eric. Also a six. What are your modifiers, guys? Plus three. Uh, mine's also a plus three. <laughs> let the tall one go first. Let the tall one go first. Yeah. He said, let the tall one go first. I'll go first. Or do you, you want us to okay. roll for it? That's fine. All right, so, Connor, what do you do? You hear these footsteps behind you, and the the fog has gotten more oppressive, and it's now impossible to see <laughs> behind you. Hmm. What do you do? Uh, I try to pick up the pace a little bit. Okay, so you move away from the fog. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Okay. I don't like what's happening here. Okay, when you take a, uh, you take that first step your creaky old bones, even though you feel like you're trying to go very, very quickly, 
it, there's this sluggishness in the air. Taylor, what do you do? Uh, presence, any kind of hostility behind it. Perception check. Uh, that's gonna be a 11. This fog is encroaching so slowly, but glacially. It's just oppressive behind you, and even though it, it is sort of taking up all the space, you can hear these footsteps. They never sound like they're getting closer, but they are always just at the edge of the fog. What do you do? Alright, well, I don't I, I don't like that, so I'm going to turn, bring out my axe. Roll me a d4. Describing what I was doing, you asshole. Three? Three. Pick three items from your items and weapons on your sheet. You have those with you. One of them is your axe as you reach and you can feel the haft of it. Uh, so I have my axe. I have I've slung my wooden shield off of my back onto my opposing arm, and I have my cooking kit. <laughs> okay, you feel the comforting weight on your back of your shield as you reach for it, and the familiar handle of your axe, and the faint kind of clacking of a few pots dangling from the, uh, the same leather strap that holds your shields to your body, <laughs> and you draw your axe. Taylor, what do you do with your axe out? Shield up, axe out, like a real guy. Uh, the other two can see this as I kind of, I guess I'm moving past them towards the fog. Like, my tongue is out like this, I have a grin on my face. Like, I'm biting my tongue as I go by them. Okay, and you step into the fog? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hide behind the tangu instead of the crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> So you enter the fog, Taylor? Yep. Oh yeah. I'm gonna find these footsteps. So, Taylor, when you as soon as you step into that yellow mist at the edge of the fog and then submerge yourself in it, you have the sound of everything behind you, even the footsteps and the claw marks from the tengu on the wall just fade away. And your vision is completely obscured. You can barely see your axe in front of you. Um and Eric, it's your turn. Uh, so I have something called human shadow. Um, it lets me hide behind any medium-sized creature or larger, so I'm just going to do a stealth check and hide myself behind the tangu. Alright. Uh, roll me the stealth check. I rolled a 14. Let me just go my skills real quick. 21. 21. You, uh, you kind of meld into the same dark color of these stones that seem to kind of peel off the walls as you walk past them and stay just in the forward-facing shadow of the Tengu as you both make your way a bit away from the fog. And you watch as the, uh, every, like, bump and twist in the road starts to, like, almost swirl a bit. Like, the, the mist is now affecting your vision, even though you're outside of it. Inside the mist, however, Taylor, you can see just this strange sort of silhouette. It seems like it's very far away from you, but then when it raises an arm, it slices out at you. Just these two hands seem to slip past you repeatedly. And Taylor, you take 17 points of slashing damage. Hmm. Connor, it's your turn. I wasn't able to see this happen, was I? Make me a perception check. 19. 
you look over your shoulder as Taylor's character walks into the mist, and you lose sight of him completely, but then you hear the faintest, this sort of wet noise, and all along the wall, splattering over your feathers on your arm that's nearest to the wall, blood sprays out of the mist, and you look, and you see that the blood has sprayed in the shape of the word, up. What do you do? I fly. You fly? Mm-hmm. Uh, how far can you fly? Um, I believe my movement speed. Okay. As you fly up into the air, you realize that doming over you, almost like a tidal wave, the royal of this fog starts to encompass over top of you, and you find yourself engulfed in yellow, and you can see moving all throughout it these strange little silhouettes. Eric, the shadow you were hiding in has flown away. What do you do? So Connor's flown up. Taylor's run into the fog. I'm just kind of standing there. Yeah. And the fog is approaching. Is there anywhere for me to retreat to? You can keep going down the alley, yes. Yeah, I'll keep... I'll I'll kind of pick up the pace and run down the alley. Okay, you take off running the bare feet, making the faintest sound as you're still quite light on your feet. Clapping like these butt cheeks? Yeah, slap, slap, slap. Uh, Connor, you, through the mist, see these silhouettes move around you. And as the arms of this silhouette reach up, uh, you take 23 points of damage. I'm super dead. Welcome to death. Eric, seemingly out of nowhere with a snap, the Tengu's body is just dangling in front of you as though suspended by its ankles, and his old beaked mouth is draped open and just hangs there. And then suddenly a voice that is not seeming to come from the throat of this of this Tengu, but just from its mouth in general, it says the word save what do you do um I restart the Nintendo so can I tell what he's hanging by like why he's hanging in the air like that his arms are dangling almost to the ground and his body's just draped as though something is hanging on to him by the ankles you can't see anything though Nothing holding it, and the mist is still approaching. Yeah, I I keep running away. I gotta get out of here. You keep running yeah. away. As you're running, you're uh, you reach up and touch your face, and you can feel like the warm, teeny blood from your nose dripping off. And as you look down, make me a perception check. What is up save? Ooh, I rolled good. Uh, Your blood spells out die on the cobblestones. That would be 21. As you're running, your nose still bleeding, the drips hit the ground, but instead of leaving little trails behind you, they seem to coalesce and follow you in a, a moving puddle of blood. And as soon as you do look down and notice this, you stop dead as it splatters forward onto the wall in front of you and spells the word me. The fog is approaching behind you, Eric. What do you do? Uh, I'll turn towards the fog, and I'll just slowly walk towards it. As you take a step towards the fog, a silhouette breaks out of it, and you see this pallid, 
gray skin with strips of it peeled off as though bandages have been made of the flesh and then removed from the body. And each of these strange tendrils reaches forward slightly as if trying to seek purchase on your own flesh. And you realize that it's much closer than you would think it should be. And you turn and standing right behind you, both twisted and battered and bloody, the Tengu with its neck twisted from the fall to one side and the body of the human bent backwards where it was cut nearly in half at the abdomen. Both of their mouths hang open and these two voices in a discordant harmony say, and you all jolt awake. Fucking what? Fuck you. I've already died. (laughs) Eric, you wake up and you can tell that you are in a cell. You can tell this because of the cold press of metal bars against your arm and the cold cobbles below your body and against your back and the contrasting warmth on your face lets you know as you raise a hand up that your nose is still bleeding. Give me a perception check. 24. Nice. 24. When you realize your nose is bleeding, with a bit of a start, you begin to look around the room uh, through the bars of your cage, and you see... Eric, with a 24 on perception, you look around the room, and right across from you, slumped in almost a mirrored position, is the young human man from your dream. He is slumped over, and you can see by the slow blinking of his eyes in the dim light from a few torches that he is starting to wake up. Diagonally from you, about five feet away, you can see a gaunt, pale, red-headed woman in a long white coat, uh, sort of perusing over a table that, from your angle, you can only tell by the sound of it, seems to be covered in small metal implements as she moves them around and they rattle and jingle. And looking past her, you can see, beyond a table that you're looking under, another cell where the bird person, the Tengu from your dream, is also starting to rouse and look out their bars And all of you, as you start to bring your attention back to the waking world, you realize that you could hear from this table a man screaming. And he screams, Wake up and help me, damn it! Wake up! Wake up and help me, damn it! And you all look, and the woman is now turning back towards him and holding some sharp piece of glass, almost with a precision like a scalpel. And she leans over top of him and places it above his sternum and just pulls as he lets out a and drags a thin red line across his chest. And you can see that all around his body where he is roped to the corners of this table, his body is just laced with these thin red lines that are oozing fresh blood. I'm grossed out. You're very loud. Do I have any of my gear? You guys look, and you have the clothes on your back, um, almost like burlap tatters. Uh, None of your armor, nothing that you can remember having on you in your dream. Is there anything around that I could throw, like like a rock on the ground, anything? Hmm. There doesn't seem to be anything within your reach right now, but 
carrying over your perception from earlier as you watch this this doctor turn and start slicing into this man. You catch a glint of torchlight at her hip, and you can see she's carrying a ring of keys. But there's nothing close to your bars that you could reach. I think I'm going to actually like retreat to the back of my cell and try to hide in whatever shadow or anything I can find. I, I don't... Uh, Connor and Taylor, you both are... If if sleep was still holding you in any way, the fresh cut and the scream that accompanied it jolted you into a state of alertness. What are the two of you doing? I don't think there's anything I can do. Um, I'm not going to have access to any of my spells. Um... Yeah, like I've I've got nothing. I can yell stop, and that's about it. Dude, would you like to yell stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the next best thing. So the the Tengu from the bars of his cage, with a rattly, raspy old voice, calls out for this doctor to stop the torture he's watching her proceed with, and she her back straightens, and her head slowly turns to the third cell that holds this this bird man and she says just you wait it will be your turn soon and underscoring her is just these ragged breaths and like pained grunts of the man on the table as he continues just like in now a much more hushed tone pleading just wake up and help me damn it wake up and help me damn it and she returns to slicing him open. I would like to move my guy, I guess, closer, because I started out, on, I guess, on the farther part of the cell. I put my hands on the cell bars and just gonna, kind of, looking at her, be like, it's easy to cut a guy's tied down, isn't it? She straightens up a little more slowly this time and turns to you and steps forward towards the bars of your cage and her face gets very close to the bars, Taylor. And she looks you dead in the eyes, and then you see anger cross her face. And then suddenly, her face is your face. And she says, Quiet! Down! In there. It will be your turn soon. And her face is, again, that pale, pale woman's face with the red hair. And she brushes some of it off her brow and turns back and gouges into the man who's now squirming and struggling and you can tell you see him he's, he's just the all of his fluids are coming out through the blood his lips are cracked his eyes look dried out he's just straining against the ropes um and he is just like screaming wordlessly as she drags this piece of glass from the ankle up to the inside of the knee and gives a little twist this is gruesome. Liam, are you okay? That's <laughs> fucked. This is in the book. <laughs> this is Paizo, yeah. <laughs> Sorta. <laughs> um, I'll start beating against the bars. Like, just, just pummeling them. Trying to get out. Okay, give me a perception check, Taylor. That is natural 19 plus... 322. 22. Um, as she, as you start rattling the bars and she turns again with that same, like, angered look on her face, you see on her left hip 
that same ring of keys that the halfling saw. And she just, like, stands in front of your bars with that bloody piece of glass just fuming at you as if looking for something to say. I'll make a grab for him. For the keys? Sleight of yep. hand. Oh, oh boy, it's gonna be fun. Ooh, that's a natural 18. Oh boy. Natural uh, 18. I don't have any plus to it, but do I add anything if I don't have it as a training skill? You manage to slip the ring of keys off of her belt, and as you sort of hide them and step back from the bar, she says, That is better. And then contentedly sort of turns back to that table, and as she's rummaging as uh, amongst the things on it, you can all now see from your standing positions it's covered in sharp splinters of wood, old bent nails, pieces of broken glass, particularly sharp-edged stones, and a kitchen knife that looks like it was never washed after it was used, so it's covered in rust and maybe blood as well, and she's just picking through those things. Taylor, what do you do with the keys? So I gather she's distracted? She looks pretty distracted. She is now actually, as she does this, kind of humming to herself. <laughs> I'm going to try to stealthily unlock my door. Okay. Uh, give me a uh, give me a stealth check. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs> I rolled a four. Okay. And hold on, with my negative two to stealth, I got two. Okay. You go to like feed the keys through the bar to reach around and unlock the gate. And every key just drags across the bar that you try to move past. And she turns towards you, and you two, uh, the Tengu and the Halfling, watches the man struggling, lets out a like a roar, and he kicks his leg. And when he kicks his leg, he manages to slip the now slick with blood ankle out of the ropes. And she goes clambering against the bars in front of your, your cage, Taylor. And she trips and smashes into those bars. And you could feasibly unlock the door now or grab her. Grapple her neck. Oh. Uh, I'm going to unlock the door. Okay. You unlock the door and can step on out. Can I? I would like to, yes, do that. And can I toss the keys towards the halfling? In bird person culture, that is considered a dick move. Uh, you throw them and they slide through the bars. The halfling grabs the keys and we roll for initiative. Oh, maybe I'll just play a French bird. Bonjour. Je m'appelle bird person. All right. <laughs> uh, so Eric is going first. Eric. Tammy, no. <laughs> uh, Taylor's going second. Eric, it's your move. You have the keys and she is like on one knee with like her face against the bars as the human steps out and throws you these keys. Okay, so I start trying to find the key for the door and I try to unlock the door. Yeah, you're able to unlock it and step out uh, and you can move another uh, another two or three squares with your halfling agility. There's a, that table right in front of me that has like weapons and stuff on it? Yeah, it's the one that's covered in all those like broken gardening tools and pieces of rubble that have been sharpened up. Oh, it's just like improvised weapons. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I just grabbed two things off that table. Well, I probably wouldn't have time, would I? Uh, you can you step out and with the keys still in hand can see the Tengu in the cage and the stuff. 
And so you can do one of those two things on your next turn. And that Tengu's just okay. shaking his hands in the air. We can see him. <laughs> and, uh... Wait, one round, like, just over That'll be Taylor's turn. So she is not prone, but, like, stooped beside you, and you can see the halfling is looking at all the sharp implements on the table. I would like to punch this bitch in the face. Okay. Make me an unarmed attack. I don't punch this bitch in the face. What'd you get? A total of six. Total of six? Yeah. She, uh, as you take a swing at her with a, with a bare knuckle, she, like, swats your hand away and starts lifting herself up, uh, putting her weight on the bars. And that will be Connor's turn. So, I'm going to hex her. Okay. Uh, calling on an unknown power especially since we don't have our memories. Spoilers. Um, yeah, so I'm going to hex her with Misfortune. Misfortune. So that gives her 2d20s on any attack roll, and she takes the lower. Uh, for one round, she has a DC 13 will save to make, but if she fails, anytime she makes an ability check, attack roll, saving throw, or skill check, she has disadvantage. She fails the saving throw, so... She has disadvantage on those She has disadvantage. For one round. Um, I forgot how fun witches are. Get ready for bird cackles. Yes. And... Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to cackle. Isolating that. <laughs> <laughs> so you hex her from the corner of the bars with like a... This like birdie noise. Um, and you see her like stiffen for a second as she's finishing pulling herself upright and she just looks hexed like something crossed over her and like someone walked on her grave and she just starts muttering under her breath she's like I have so much work to do and she swings with disadvantage at Taylor both of her hands at him and they seem to extend just a little longer than her frail frame would imply but um, with this with this strange hex that's washed over her, she misses with both hands. And uh, then she takes a five-foot step away from you, looks at the table, um, and is now kind of right by the corner of the Tengu's cell and is has her back to the Tengu as we go to Eric's turn. Can I still throw the Tengu the keys? Yeah, I'll say if you want to do that um, and grab a, a thing on the same turn, you yeah. just won't move. Okay, sure. I'm cool in here. Roll me a perception check, Eric. Twelve. You can see from your lower vantage point that you could slide these keys under the table that the screaming man is is tied down to, and it would give the uh, much less of a path of interception to the doctor who is looking at you. And they could just clatter up against the cage. Sure, I'll do that. Okay, so you slide them underneath, and... Uh, Connor, you see the keys just hit the bars right by the hinge on your door, and you can grab them on your turn. And you grab which uh, what what kind of thing you're looking for? Something pointy, something something hard. like pointy that I could potentially throw. Okay, yeah, you you reach up and you find something that feels like a handle amongst all this stuff, and you pull out that that dirty kind of rusty steak knife. Oh, awesome! And when you now have it, it has a definite coppery smell. It will still act as an improvised weapon, though. Um, and that'll bring us to Taylor. So she just took two big, wide swipes at you, 
and then stepped away after missing you, and she looks a little, like, rattled by the birds cackling. Uh uh bitch. And I'm gonna move back up, take another swing. That is going to be a 21 to hit. 21 hits. Should be a D2 plus your strength? Uh, D3. So that's a dice. That's actually a dice 6, right? Yeah. So she's going to take 3 damage. She takes 3 damage. She looks upset about that. But uh, you punch her and you see that you catch her right in the mouth. And as her jaw kind of readjusts, you see her face doesn't snap back quite as quickly as her eyes focus back on you. She kind of slowly sloughs back into place. And would you like to stay there or move? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable taking swings at this hole. Alrighty. It is, uh, now it's Connor's turn, so the Tengu has the keys, so you can unlock the door and leave the cell this turn. Um, now I'm gonna maintain my hex. Okay. You cackle to extend the hex, and you can see her visibly, like, bristle as you laugh through the bars. Is that a thing I have to take, or is that just an innate witch ability? I'm, to understand, it's part of the hex. You can cackle to extend. It should be in the hex's text. Yeah, I'm not seeing text. We'll say you can do it. It's Halloween. <laughs> Mostly because I feel like bird person is safest in the cage. Yeah, I'm staying in the cage for sure. Yeah, but you pull the keys into the cage and then cackle to extend the hex? Yeah. And so she remains hexed at disadvantage, and so she takes two swings at Eric. Or sorry, not at Eric, at Taylor. She takes her first swing under the hex and does six points of damage to Taylor. But then, as she takes the second swing and the effect of the hex kind of overtakes her, she slips on a bit of blood that sprayed off when the man kicked her, and as she slips back, he kicks her again, and she falls prone as she fumbles right in front of the Tengu's cage. And it is now going to be Eric's turn. Peck her to death. So cackling doing a bird headbang. Cackling is a move action for witches, and it extends by one round. Perfect. If I run here, can I throw something at her? Yeah, she's lying at an angle that the corner of the table doesn't obscure her from your view, especially since she just kind of laid flat on the spread eagle on her back. Okay, so as an alchemist, um, I have a throw anything feat, so it's not an improvised weapon yeah. for me. Uh, so awesome. 21 to hit with uh, that coppery butcher knife. I throw it straight at her face. That hits. And so if it's not an impressed weapon, it would do a d4, I believe, if it were counted as a dagger then, for simplicity. Uh, one damage. One damage? That's that's still not nothing. Yeah. Um, And so she takes the... It doesn't sink into her, but it slides across her, and you see it catch her shoulder. And that'll bring us to Taylor. She's on the ground. Okay. No, I just got punched? Yeah, she's slamming you with the sides of her arms. Okay. So what you guys see happen is uh, my eyes kind of just go blank. And my hands enlarge and become claws, essentially. They turn kind of black and oily looking. And 
just screaming at her now, just like roaring in rage. I move forwards and I attack. That's going to be 21 to hit. 21 is definitely a hit against her flat-footed prone-ass AC. (laughs) And that's going to be a total of 8 damage. 8 damage? Yeah. You uh, you slice across her with this this pulsating, oily claw, and uh, with kind of like the throb of the wound gushing its first bit of blood, you guys all see her hair almost like phase out of existence as her face is just this plain, twisted, gray amalgam of a skull with just the barest amount of flesh pulled over it. And then just as quick as it wavers, the form returns to this redheaded doctor. Can I do a knowledge check? Yeah, Dungeoneering. Uh, I think I have. Or sorry, uh, they'd be rolling Arcana, uh, Knowledge Arcana. 17. 17? This is yeah. just by the way you're seeing it shape, shift, and morph. You can tell, and by the elongated arms that it seems to have, even though they don't stay that way, they kind of stretch to that. You can tell this is a doppelganger. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, you don't know. You don't know if like alchemical silver works best on them, or if they're like immune to fire or anything. You don't know anything beyond like that's a doppelganger. And if I get my head back on my shoulders, I might be able to know more about them. But right now, I don't remember. Uh, so I would yell out, "It's." It's a doppelganger! Um, you yell out, it's a doppelganger! And the yeah. cackling Tengu, it's your turn. So she's still prone in front of me, right? Yep. Uh, I'm going to cackle as my move action. Yeah. And then I'm going to go for the throat with my beak. Okay, and you get to do unarmed strikes without uh, any penalty to damage, correct? Because of your natural claws and beak? I have a beak, yes. Go for it. Want me to hit? Uh, she's prone, isn't it? Isn't it just a straight-up coup de grace? No, she's not incapacitated. Okay. You rolled a hit, her AC is down to her flat-footed. She loses her deck gotcha. Um, So that is 15 total. That's a hit. Okay. One damage. One damage, still not bad. Yeah, as you, like tip down like a bird drinking from a glass of water every time you like peck at her a little bit of blood comes up and every time you raise up you open your beak and cackle and then dive back in Um, and she's still on the ground kind of like swatting past you and uh, now that you do that every time your beak makes contact that like skin around where you've made your attack turns that grayish blue color and then snaps back to the pale flesh uh, it's looking like holding form is becoming difficult. And it is the doppelganger's turn. And she has no choice but to try to get up, which is going to evoke an attack of opportunity from the Tengu with his beak and from the human with his this gross claw. And so I'll take the beak first. 16. 16 hits. One damage. One damage. So you, you swing out as she she's trying to like get herself up and she makes the mistake of grabbing a bar in your cage and you peck at her arm and draw some more blood um, and then our uh, Taylor make an attack of opportunity. Uh, 
This can only be a 12 to hit. 12 to hit. Uh, as she's still getting up, that is a hit. Ooh. Four damage. Four damage. She is looking now as she comes to oh, her sorry, full height. I lied. That's three damage. Three damage. Well then. As she comes to her full height, that visage of this of this pale woman drops away completely and her kind of straight-backed posture is replaced by something easily a foot taller and hunched over. So its head is at the same position and you now get a good look as she's looking you dead in the face. There's no mouth on this face and two slits coming in at an angle as nostrils and these big buggy eyes and the pupils are fully dilated as she hunches down on sinewy legs and swipes at you twice um, at disadvantage with her with her claws because the cackle is still happening. First one is a hit and the second one is a miss but thankfully not a fumble as you take five points of damage. After she hits you, it is the halfling's turn. Uh, I'm going to use my first action to move away over here. Okay. Uh, away from the action. Um, I'm kind of looking for to see if my belongings are anywhere or if there's any other like things that I could throw at, at this uh, threat. Okay, give me a perception check. <laughs> 21. 21. You see, as you as you are leaving this sort of long, almost hallway where one wall is lined with cells and then the opposite wall had your cell on it, you mm-hmm. can see at the end there is a collapse. This rubble seems to fill up a portion of the hall or maybe another cell. It's hard to tell. And you can see a few decent-sized stones that you could throw for, let's say, 1d3 damage. Um, and you notice as you are approaching that space there around the corner mm-hmm. seems to be a large metal object it seems to take up more room than any of your cells take up and in front of it there seems to be a pile of kind of rubbish and soot that's to the south of me the rubbish and soot yeah sorry yeah yeah that's the the pile of rubbish there's a wall right there right yeah the, my the side. corner okay. of the wall is what you just stepped around okay i'm gonna approach the rubbish and take a look at the rubbish Okay, uh, I'll carry over that 21. You can see that it is... There There are a lot of ashes in this pile, and now that you're standing in front of this metal structure, it is a large furnace. And the door to the furnace, uh, just off to your right here, uh, hangs open, and you can see that it is currently not lit. Um, but in this pile of ashes with that 21, you find... A, uh, there's a bit of wood sticking out, and when you grab it, the wood has strings laced on it, and it is a some sort of violin or viol. And there's no bow with it, but it is sticking out of the ashes, and there's a few scraps of cloth, um, and nothing that you recognize as yours, but you're not sure if you would recognize what is yours. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Next up is Taylor. So she is definitely looking wounded, and she's lost the ability to hold her shifted form. So you guys are going to see me take a couple swings at this 
doppelganger. But the whole time, I'm just gonna be uh, screaming in a like a guttural voice. Make a stop! 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 What the fuck? Ooh. Taylor, do you need to see a therapist? <laughs> I might. Uh, Jesus Christ. So that's going to be a 22 to hit for the 20, first one. 22 hits. And the second one will be a 15 to hit. The first one is the only hit. Seven damage. Seven points of damage. She staggers back and barely keeps on her feet and the gash you leave across her chest is just oozing kind of sickly looking dark blood and she looks kind of over her shoulder to where the halfling went uh, with this wild look in her eyes like she is ready to run and that'll bring us to the Tengu so I put a picture in the general text channel of more or less what I see as of myself at the moment. Is that a fucking penguin? (laughs) I watched Happy Feet the other night. (laughs) I forgot about the weird old penguin. (laughs) Yeah, so it's um, Agent Smith. Uh, Come on, Connor. What's his name? Eldon. Yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Liam, what's his name? I'm blanking completely. I love this man yeah. to death, and I can't think of his goddamn name. Because he... Fucking... Oh, my God. I can see Eric Googling. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Jesus Weaving. Christ. Here, yeah. pause. Holy shit. Hugo Anyways. Weaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I just see myself as this sort of hunched... Crooked old... Sort of a more decrepit bird. Yeah. Um, she's not dead yet, eh? She looks really rough. So I'm going to keep cackling. Okay. And then bite. Okay. Peck, 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 peck. 15 to hit. 15 doesn't hit. This time as she's like turning away Shit. to look for a way out, her arm smacks your beak aside. Um, not harming you, but you kind of like have to stop yourself from hitting the uh, the bars with your head. Um, and that's gotcha. your entire turn, which brings us to mm-hmm. the doppelganger's turn. And... She makes two more wild swings. One is at this this furious creature in front of her. Taylor is just beating the absolute dick out of her. And the other is going to be at the Tengu through the bars, just frantically swiping while your head is still exposed. Um, you have cover on that one, and she has disadvantage. Sorry, she misses the angry man in front of her. And... She misses the Tengu and then takes a five-foot step back, um, not provoking. She kind of keeps her arms up, and it'll be Eric's turn. So around the corner, uh, over here in peaceful, happy time land, you see, as you're sifting through these ashes, you notice another hard object, and you pull it up, and it is the top of what you can only assume to be a humanoid skull charred at the edges. Top of this dick. Okay, so I have the skull in my hand. Uh, so I step back just one, like, just take like a little five-foot step and I chuck the skull at her. Alright, ready to hit. 
Oh. Seven. Seven. I miss. You miss, and the skull yeah. clangs into the bars right in front of the Tengu, um, giving you kind of a <laughs> noise. And that will bring us to Taylor. Tengus don't like loud noises. Uh, Liam, I have a quick question. Yeah. Uh, it says when I do this, I get a morale bonus to my strength. That have done anything? That'll improve damage? your damage, yeah. And you're to hit. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if it would affect his to hit. Yeah. It's a mor- oh, yeah, morale it's bonus any, affects Any hit. strength to hit. Any, sorry, any bonus to hit. It's just, it's that's a, the type of bonus it is, because you can't stack the same type of bonus. He can't get three morale bonuses. He just gets the best morale bonus. But he could get, like, a spell bonus. Okay, okay so what, what would a plus four morale bonus have done? Plus two to hit and plus two damage. My damage. Because we didn't know about it, we're going to treat it like it wasn't there for now. But yep, moving I just wanted forward. To, for the future. All right, just wanted to confirm that for the future. Yeah, it's All right. Um, so still kind of... What are you... What I are don't you? Think you're gonna guess. I'm something fucking awesome. Yeah. You say nothing, Liam. No, I want them to guess once we're done recording. Nothing. Fair. So it is. It's yeah, Taylor's turn, guess. and the doppelganger has started to move away from you cautiously, and then a skull whips over her shoulder and clangs against the bars, and she, her attention is now drawn between the halfling behind her and you and this cackling maniacal bird. I will move up, muttering. Constantly, no, 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 no. Natural 20. That's a natural 20. Roll me to confirm the critical. No, it's only like a 14. Unconfirmed critical. But you know what I'm going to do? As long as you're playing my game, a natural 20 is always going to be exploding dice. And so roll your damage dice. If you roll max damage, re-roll that dice and add it to the damage you've done already. So if you end up doing like 2d6, if you roll two sixes, you roll two more d6 as an example of exploding dice. Because an unconfirmed crit should still be special. On a 20 specifically. Yep. I did it. How much? I rolled max damage. All right. So roll. So so I have to roll again? Yeah. Does it stack? If he rolls max damage again, does yeah, it just keep exploding. going? Like you can That's keep going. crazy. Fuck. Uh, but I don't... I'm not going to like double my modifier, right? No. Yeah. Okay. All right. So knowing what I know now when that happens, that's actually... The... Just fucking murder this woman. I'm going to slice this bitch in half because I just did 13 damage. You did half of her max HP in one hit. As she's, like, stepping away from you, as soon as she looks over her shoulder at the source of this piece of bone that was thrown at her, you step up and with both hands just clamp down on the sides of her head and you can feel it crunch between your hands and she drops like a limp gray rag to the ground with just this pulpy mass on her neck that you leave of her head. And we are out of combat order. All right. Uh, you're going to see my guy just kind of like heaving and while looking at the slumped body. And then he's going to slump to the ground. So Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of thing going <laughs> on here. 
as as you see that he's slumped on the ground, he's returned to normal. Returned to normal? What was he before? He His hands turned into these, like, oily black claws. How did I miss that? You mu- your audio must have Dude, cut Dude, pay attention. It was yeah. right now where we were having some right. issues for you. That's why he was slicing barehanded. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I thought he just... That's how my damage got to fucking awesome. Picked up glass. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. No, no, I, I literally started... You know, when, I, when I started muttering and like screaming at yeah. her, that's when I changed. Huh. I'm intrigued. Is This is obviously is in core. No? What book did you pull it from? Occult? Uh, occult. Yeah. yeah. So... I have a I have a question about my class thing. Um, it says I get two hit points per die, but these disappear when my thing ends. Yeah, but are, they are not lost like ten. They're off the top hit points. But if you were negative, it's much like a rage with a barbarian. So because you have this morale bonus that gives you four to your strength and con, you get plus two to your strength based stuff and plus two to your con based stuff. So two extra hit points. If you were in the negative, okay. and then your your thing that you do, because I'm not spoiling it, ends, and you were negative 13, and your con with this ability was up to 14, when it ends and you go back down to 12, you die permanently. It's the same thing that happens to orcs when they use their ferocity, and barbarians when they do their rage. Um, it's a high-risk, high-reward. When this ends, I lose those yeah, hit points. Yeah, two off the top. Okay. Um, so you keep the... Oh, just yeah, off the off top. On max. Okay. Um, cool. Thank you. And so you kind of like see this human start like breathing heavy and like getting his head back on his shoulders as this thing is just dead. And between his like heavy labored breathing, you can also hear the cackles of the bird person persist, I imagine. <laughs> and the uh, the man on the table, his his breathing is getting very ragged. Just. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do? I will pick myself up off the floor. The bitch is dead. What happened? I'm going to unlock my cage now and go perform a heel check on our sliced up buddy. Alrighty. So the uh, the old crone of a bird steps up and kind of, as you're getting up, Taylor, you just step out of the way as the, the cage door swings open. And our Tengu plods up to the table, and you can see that it is just soaked with blood. The The wood is just, like, almost, like, absorbed too much of it, and it's buckled and bending, and you can see that's why he was able to wiggle the rope enough. It was sitting at a, a bit of a relieved angle, coupled with the slick blood on his leg. He was able to slip out as the tension broke. Um, and you'd like to do a heel check on him? Eighteen. 18 on a heel check. Yeah, you uh you're trying to like make sure he's stable. Yeah. You check him over and with like some strips of cloth uh I imagine you kind of like using your talon to tear them off of your own garments. It close up a few of the most grievous of the wounds, but you can see that a lot of them are shallow enough to bleed but not deep enough to kill. Like she was just taking her time torturing and maiming this man, although the one on his leg is definitely pretty egregious, and you stabilize him at zero HP. Good. He definitely looks like he'll he'll need a lot of rest, but he's alive. 
I'm still looking and I want to check out the furnace if there's nothing else in the ashes. Perception check for me over there, Eric. I'd like to look around for any kind of, I don't know, maybe there's a healing potion somewhere. I would like to scour for healing supplies. Okay, you give me a perception as well. Taylor, what's your perception? This is only a seven for me. Eleven. Eleven? You see that there are some barrels in the top uh, left corner of the map here, off into the uh, the northwest corner. Um, but there is, you can tell just by stepping near them that they seem to just have been squished under the rubble from this collapsed cell off to your left. Uh, but up to your right in a uh, a third alcove that mimics the cells you are in, although it doesn't have bars, there is a large cabinet, uh, but it has a sturdy padlock on the front of it. Now, Eric, with a seven, you've sifted through and you found, again, some scraps of clothes, some like clearly charred bones, many ashes, and this dirty but nice viol. Um, and you can see that the door to the furnace hangs ajar, but because it's not lit, it's too dark to see without like going and like looking into it. Yeah, if you want to, like, poke your head into the furnace, I'll let you re-roll a perception. Eleven. Eleven? Yeah. You open up this furnace and make me a reflex save. Oh, I, I rolled a 19, so I got definitely got over 20. Okay, so you lean into the furnace because as you open it it's in a morgue, aren't we? deeper than you'd imagine it's it's almost 15 feet deep this massive just strewn about set of coals and ash and dust and as your eyes are adjusting as you've kind of submerged yourself in darkness you see these two wide green eyes staring at you as their pupils are fully open a big fat orange tabby cat jumps out of the soot at you and you dodge out of the way and this 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 large cat um lands behind you it's large to you it's the the average size of a tabby these white kind of streaks in its orange fur covered in soot um and it's just and like scratching at you <laughs> and uh make me perception check connor Shit. 22. You don't know why, but you know that noise. And you turn the corner and you see this cat and you don't know why, but it is Mm -hmm. your cat. So it walks up to me, rubs against my leg and purrs. And yeah, at that moment, you realize that you don't remember where you are and you don't remember who you are. Bird. I don't know what voice I want to use. I'm kind of intrigued by the French bird, yes? You have to do I it. think the French bird is going to be... I love it. The bonjour. Uh, Fuck are you saying, bird? Je ne sais. Pardon. Who are you? I don't know. Who are you? What about you, small woman? I don't know. Who, and what, did you call me small? It's not very nice. You need to respect your elders, young man. 
I can just see Taylor fighting his urge to be what he is with every character. Completely <laughs> irreverent. <laughs> just a dickhead. He like snarled to say something mean and then ducked off camera to laugh. He's like, you know what? Fuck you, old lady. <laughs> I saw it in your face. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I'm going to start doing Duolingo think. again. Damn it. I saw... I saw an amazing screenshot of a, I think it was like Pornhub or one of those, like a porn site comment where it's like, hey, instead of jerking off, you could finish that French lesson. And someone's like, even here. And he's like, I'm everywhere. And it's the Duolingo owl. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this bird person's cousin. As these three continue their conversation, now joined not only by the unconscious man on the table, but a rather plump, orange, tabby cat, we hear the building around them continue to faintly groan as metal and wood bend and stone grates against stone. But elsewhere in the building, we see a hurried, disheveled, dark-haired man duck underneath a table. The dirt and grime on him is accentuated by the white color of his jacket, this this doctor's coat. And from his hiding place, we can see another person enter the space, barefoot with a dingy yellow cloak dragging across the stones as he plods across them. And this person walking into the room is muttering almost to themselves, just, Praise. Praise. Sandalus, cease. Pray, Sandalus, cease. And the doctor beneath the table holds his breath as this robed figure moves past and out of his line of sight. And as he lets out the faintest sigh of relief, we hear the footsteps stop and begin returning towards at a much quicker pace. And the doctor draws in a panicked breath. <laughs>